1: Welcome to another episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Today we're going to be riding solo. Uh, we're going to talk, I want to spend some time on the draft, talk about some guys in the draft uh, that I've got to know over the years. Um, since the draft's coming up next Thursday, uh, I want to get some draft stuff in because probably next week, by the time you listen to it, the draft will be going on or had already taken place. So I want to, want to get some stuff out there about the draft this week. Uh, We're going to dip a little bit into the – got some more calls on the insane money being thrown around NIL-wise with high school prospects and kind of where that sits, especially since we're talking about uh, the NFL today. Uh, Visit briefly about the USFL that started this past weekend. Uh, All had three games yesterday and a game on Saturday night. Then we'll get you guys out of here. So sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. (music) Home Visit All right, we have the draft coming up next Thursday, and the mock drafts. And if you listen to the experts, and I mean everybody is all over the place about the number one pick. All right, so the number one pick is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars as of today, and ever you got some people are saying Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan will be the number one pick. I just don't see it. I don't. I don't even think he's the best defensive end in the draft. And when you're picking number one, you better have a bona fide dude. And when you got Trevor Lawrence who you invested in last year, and look, the Jacksonville Jaguars have spent an amount, I mean, an incredible amount of money uh in the offseason and free agency to get him tools. It's very clear to me Evan Neal is a no-brainer. He is, you know, last year you had Panay Sewell who went to Detroit and did unbelievable things for them all season. These guys don't come along every every day, every decade. I mean, they're 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 once in generational talents. This guy's six foot seven, he's three hundred and fifty pounds, and he's a freak. And this guy could be the starting left tackle for a long, long, long time in Jacksonville. And it's a no brainer. They need to get help. Take Evan Neal and get this thing over with. Um, the offensive line. I remember, if you guys remember, have been listening for a long time. Last year's offensive line class was not very good, and I say that. Uh, from a first round standpoint, but this year they have there's some guys okay, and there's some discussion. If you look at the top ten picks, you got the Lions there at, at two, but you got the Jets and the Giants that both have two picks a piece in the top ten, and there is a ton of offensive line talent. And I just want to talk about a couple guys that you may have not heard of, but we you know obviously Evan Neal uh, can play from Alabama. Uh, number needs to be the number one pick, and they need to get this thing over with. But there's this guy named Icky, and I can't even try to pronounce his last name, but it's uh, Equanu at NC State, and he's arguably just as good, or he's, I, I think he's a smidgen below uh, where Evan is, but he's extremely athletic. He's going to be a starting left tackle, and you're looking at, I mean, he's going to be a top, I would say, I don't think he gets out of the top five. So you're going to have two tackles taken there really early. The third guy that's getting talked about a lot is Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Uh, know him, know his family. Uh, We recruited him very hard here at Ole Miss when I was here. Uh, Definitely a guy that uh, from Laurel, Mississippi, a guy that we tried very desperately to get. We've liked from the jump. And a guy that really blew up even in the recruiting process because of how athletic he is. The upside, he's not as safe as the other two because he has immense upside to where he can reach that potential. Um, But he is just a freak when it comes athletically. Um, But he still has some development to do. He still has uh, time to grow because he was very, very raw coming out of high school. And I think Mississippi State did a great job developing him, but he hasn't been there that long. so here And and he's going to continue to get better. And you're really looking at him playing three to four years of high-quality football, and his best football is ahead of him. So I think he's going to be a first-round pick, no question. Um, But it would be interesting to see how high he goes because the NFL does put a premium on tackles. Uh, But my two favorite, besides Evan Neal, my two favorite guys in the draft offensive line-wise is Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Okay, you guys have probably never watched this guy play football day in your life. Um, I actually came on to him at the Senior Bowl watching practices, so I went back and watched some tape on him. Is what an offensive lineman is supposed to be. Very nasty, has attitude, and he's athletic, can move his feet. He's going to be great in pass protection. The biggest issue that he has is hand placement. And I think, uh, and I want all the fans to understand this: is when you're when you're an offensive lineman on tackle, and I think we've talked about Laramie Tunsil on here before. Uh, but if you watch Laramie Tunsil, who I think's the best tackle in in the NFL, when he goes to shoot his hands, he hits there's a little what we call a little quarter size spot right inside the armpit, and that's what you're trying to shoot for when you're shooting your hands as a tackle. And he never missed that spot ever. I mean, his hand placement was impeccable, and that's just hard to find. And a lot of times Trevor gets his hand placement outside in, in, in the wrong place and he loses leverage. But he is nasty. He can play. I think he's going to be a great player in the NFL. He's going to play for a, a long, long time. Uh, so very excited to see where he goes. And then probably my favorite, besides Evan Neil, my favorite, favorite offensive line prospect is Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa the center. This guy is nasty. He is a day one starter. He's going to come in, and he's getting, you know, because he plays center only, he's going to slide down into the first round. And so you're talking about he's going to get on a team that's already good because they're drafting late, and he's going to start day one. I mean, this guy's a pro bowler day one at center. This guy can play as long as he stays healthy. He's going to play for a long, long, long time. All right, wide receivers. This is probably the most interesting group of receivers that's been um, – in a while, probably since the A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf uh, year. There are wide receivers everywhere. There are going to be wide receivers taken. You know, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave from Ohio State are ballers. Um, And I said this before, whoever's evaluating wide receivers at Ohio State knows what they're doing uh, because they just keep loading them, loading them. They're going to go early. First-round guys, I think Christian Watson from North Dakota State, I think he's going to sneak in the first round somewhere. Uh, not a lot of people know about him, but if you watch Mike Evans play, that's what you need to think. Very tall, very long guy that can run really fast. And so I think he's—I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa takes a shot at him late because of Mike Evans and contracts and things like that. So that's who he reminds me of, and he's coming out of nowhere. Um, but a couple guys I want to talk about specifically is uh, Traylon Burks. Um, I have loved this kid from the first second I saw him at Warren High School. Um, just an unbelievable talent. He's the closest thing I've seen to AJ Brown, and those guys don't exist. A lot of guys you get um, are, you know, all these other guys are in this mold. Whether they're either tall or long, and can run fast, or they're really, you know, six foot five eleven guys that are just you know speed demons. And those are kind of the two models that you see. And then there's Traylon Burks and there's A.J. Brown who are kind of built differently. You know, they're 6'2", 220-pound just beast. And they're strong runners after the catch. And what Traylon Burks did, I think he was probably the most undervalued player in the SEC last year. Um, Unbelievable talent. Uh, We tried our ass off to get him here at Ole Miss and Arkansas had him locked up. Uh, because of Warren High School's relationship at Arkansas, and it, we couldn't even get the kid on a visit. I mean, we tried, tried, tried. It wasn't just us. It was everybody. So this kid kind of knew where he was going and really wasn't um, – didn't play the recruiting game that hard because he knew where he wanted to go, and it probably affected his ranking because he didn't do a lot of interviews, and he was kind of a ghost. But – Everybody wanted him. Everybody tried to get him on a visit, and he had shut it down early and went to Arkansas. And and uh, what a talent! Uh, very very impressed with him. So, I would put him in the in the same category as AJ Brown. And to be honest, AJ Brown's helping him out. Um, AJ Brown, when he left to come out, you know, he was a second round grade because of his speed. Because he kind of broke the mold. They're like, well, that doesn't work in the NFL. Well, you see the success that A.J. Brown's had in the NFL, and I think that's that's giving Treylon some value with teams. So uh, Traylon probably needs to think, uh, thank A.J. for what he's done in the NFL because it's definitely going to help his value. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about is Jalen Tolbert. And uh, Jalen, some of you may have heard about, some of you may have not. Uh, I recruited him to South Alabama and got to coach him before we left to come to Ole Miss. Um, just a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal human being. Um, and he, he's probably going to be a second-round pick, I imagine. But a guy that's, that can do it on the field. He's got the film to prove it. I think the knock on him was that he was at South Alabama, but a guy that's gone 1,500 yards, gone over 1,000, I don't know how many years in a row now. Phenomenal uh, NFL prototype receiver, will be a starter. Unbelievable balance and body control, but a guy that has the mentality part of the game worked out, physically, mentally tough, um, you know, he went through a stretch there, and if he does have a knock, he went through a stretch um, where he got injured and he had to come back, and it was a devastating injury, and he came back better than he was before. And he spent three years uh, proving that, you know, proving that he came over the injury. So I'm so excited for him and his family, um, a guy that, uh, you know, people ask me all the time, like, who's the who's, – what's the best recruiting job you think you're – who's the guy you ever got that you, that you shouldn't have gotten? And Jalen Tolbert's my number one. Even though I was at South Alabama, um, we legitly straight up beat Michigan State and Vanderbilt uh, for him uh, when we were at South Alabama, and we got him to stay home, uh, and that was a big that was a big get for us. And it he's proven he's proven worth it. So uh, if you're a Michigan State fan, I apologize; he could have been playing for you, but that's probably where he was going. Uh, but we got him to stay at home, and he's just a, a phenomenal human being and phenomenal talent. I'm so excited for him and his family. Uh, for what he gets to experience here next week, all right to the to the quarterbacks, I don't know why I just didn't start with them. Um, Malik Willis has been getting all the pub in the world. And we've talked about it for you know two or three weeks now. Um, Malik Willis is an example of how you blow up past um, after the seasons over with and workouts and things like that because he is he has a phenomenal talent. He has a rocket launcher attached to his right shoulder uh, he can he is got probably the strongest arm in the draft. I I don't know who would have a stronger arm. Um, But, again, my deal goes back to quarterbacks is just a funny position because you have to have them. That's what runs the league. And we'll talk about that in the USFL. we talk about them in a little bit. But if you watched the USFL over the weekend, one thing that you noticed was quarterback play. Um, And so with this league being the way it is and people needing quarterbacks, and that's what you you win with. If you – I mean – Very, very few times you look who's winning in the NFL and look who's at quarterback. You don't see teams that have bad quarterbacks winning games. That's just how the league's driven. And so that's why there's a premium put on this position. Now, with Malik, he has an unbelievable upside. If he ever got to where his potential is, he's he's all world. But then always refer back to quarterbacks is look at the game film. You just don't see – Many times of quarterbacks being successful in uh, unsuccessful or not the premier quarterback in college football, and then turn out to be a great guy in the NFL. And when he was, what makes him special is his feet, and he can move. And when it comes nut cutting time, he he's on the move. He breaks the pocket. He can you know he gets you the third and tens that nobody's open. He can he can do that, and he can extend plays. But the NFL is a throwing league. This is not college. And over and over again, we put this value on these guys that are, can run but don't throw great and, and see what they do when they get to the NFL. And it's like last year. You know, we're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole with Justin Fields. And he, what has he done throwing the football? Now, he can run and he can do those things, but you have to throw the football every down. And you look who the premier players are in the NFL, they do it with their arm. And I just, you know, and you, everybody says, oh, well, Lamar Jackson. Well, that's true. I'm with you there. But here's the problem is in the NFL, there's a 17-game season. In college, there's a 12-game season. And then they got the playoffs. And then they got preseason. So they're playing almost two full seasons as opposed to one season in college. And everybody's like, well, that doesn't, math doesn't add up. Well, let me explain something to you. Let's take a 12-game regular season. Malik Willis is not playing all four quarters in all 12 games. They're going to blow people out, and he's going to take, you know, half a game off here. He's going to take a half a game off there. And so he ends up playing probably nine and a half to ten games a year in in college. That's the normal – that's because the backup plays the rest of the time when you play, you know, directional schools. All right, well, then in, in the NFL, they don't take you out. You stay in there the whole game. And very few NFL games are there blowouts to where the backup goes in and plays. You know, if you watch the NFL, and I do, I love it now that I've been able to watch it, but the NFL always comes down to that last possession. You know, most of the games are fourth quarter games in the NFL. Those guys are playing, and so they're getting hit more. And so running quarterbacks cannot stay healthy, a.k.a. Lamar Jackson. Like, if you look at guys that use their feet, they have a tough time staying healthy. That's just the facts. Um, and so eventually you have to do it with your arm. And as he's talented enough to do it? Yes. Has he shown he can win a game with his arm? I don't think not at, this, not at that level. You know, at some levels he has, but um, somebody's going to take him because of the upside, and we'll see. We'll see what they do. I'm just I'm not a fan of burning a high, you know, a top ten pick on him. Um, but it is what it is. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Matt Corral. I said it, and I know I'm biased here, and it is what it is. I can be biased. That's the guy I'm going to war with. I love everything about the kid. Um, that's if I have my pick, that's who I'm going with, but that's I'm biased too. Um, I just I think he's got the it factor, whatever it is, he has it. Um, he's a competitor, he's got the arm talent. he's got everything it takes to, to be a, a quarterback on that level and I'll kind of look forward to see what happens and if if he gets drafted and somebody's gonna draft him and somebody's gonna draft him high. If he gets drafted and there's a vet there, um, they better buckle up because I think this is the guy come take your job. He's got that kind of mentality. I love everything about the kid, and you can't go wrong with with Matt. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it next week, probably. But uh, for me, Matt Corral is who I'm going with a quarterback if I'm if I'm spending a higher draft pick because I just think he's the safest. Um, Kenny Pickett, which we know is going to be there. Sam Howell is going to be be there. A lot of talk about Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, um, and then the one I got to throw out there. I'm going. I would if I'm. If I'm okay at quarterback, the guy I'm drafting in like in the third or fourth round, I'm taking Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky. Look, this guy I can play. He reminds me a lot of Chase Daniel, a guy that you'll never, you know, he'll you'll only need him if he goes in the game, but at least you know he can spin it. And it's a throwing league. And so Bailey Zappi we've been talking about forever, even back with hard edge with my man Rich Rod. I love the guy, and uh, I look forward to seeing what he does in the NFL. Uh, a couple of corners I want to talk about going in the draft. You know, corners is probably one of the hardest positions to evaluate because you don't want them to show up on film. If they're not showing up on film, there's usually a reason. Uh, and it usually takes the all twenty-two to really grade them, so it's really hard for the fans to to differentiate uh, who's good at corner, who's not. Um, and it could be, you know, if you if you're if you've got a really good front seven, they might even get the ball off. Uh, but a couple of guys is look, and, and we talked about Sauce Gardner here. Uh, during the uh, college football playoff at Cincinnati. Look, I, I call a spade a spade. He really proved me wrong. I, I thought he was going to get ate up a little bit against better competition, and he held his own, and he was doing it against great players. Um, really earned himself. I think a lot of people had doubts on him uh, going into the college football playoff. And in one game, that's all you got to do is turn on the Alabama game. He made himself a bunch of money. He went from being probably a late round pick to early. I mean, he's probably going to be, I would be, absolutely mortifiedly shocked if he's not the first corner off the board uh, because I think there's a big deal. I think it's him, and then I think there's everybody else. Uh, Really good player, Um, and everybody's going to be like, what do you think about this Trent McDuffie guy at Washington? It's getting a lot of love. And this is what I want to explain to the fans. Arm length is a big deal when you're playing corner, and it's a big deal at defensive line. It's a big deal on offensive line. Arm length is a big deal. In a lot of places, and especially a corner. And let me explain that to people because the game of football is not played by wingspan by spreading your arms out. The game of football is played you know where your arms going forward. Well, Trent he he's got twenty nine inch arms. Okay, in, in change like twenty nine and three something, whatever it is, three eighths, three quarters, whatever it is. Those are really short arms, and he's already like five eleven. Okay, so he's sub six foot and he's got short arms, and in a league where you can't you know then you, you can't, you have to be long because in the NFL, after five yards, you can't contact the guy. And so arm length comes in a big, in a big difference. And so if you're going against a receiver that has 34 inch arms and you got 29 inch arms, okay, that's about that much difference. Okay. So that's that much closer than you have to be to a guy and that in an NFL, they'll find a window for that. Um, I'm not drafting a corner early in the draft that's got 29 inch arms. He is a phenomenal player um, I would probably even stay away from uh, all corners in general that have 29-inch arms. I think it's very difficult to play man-to-man when you have short arms, so, um, especially in the NFL. So it makes it even worse. So I'm staying away from him. Uh, the other two is Derek Stingley Jr. that people argue about. Derek Stingley Jr. for me as a freshman was unbelievable. I just haven't seen it in two years. And so he just has been a guy. And again, a good guy can play. Uh, but just hasn't continued the dominance as what he was as a freshman. He's kind of just uh, – he hasn't really hitting the improve button. Um, so, I think he's a talent. I think he's going to play. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't waste a high draft pick, but I would probably take him late late one. But he'll probably with a value and just not as many corners on the board. He does have the length. He does have the speed and those things. If you turn on the freshman tape, you're a no-brainer. You turn on the later tape, you're like, okay. Um, the last guy I want to talk tell a little bit of story about is Roger McCreary at Auburn. So, Roger uh, Fax was committed to me at South Alabama for, like, eight months. Um, Nobody else recruited him from Williamson High School in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, He played all over the place, played literally every position. One play, he'd be at receiver, running back, quarterback, defense. He played everywhere. Uh, Loved him. Uh, Nobody really took the time to go in there because they were like, how can they have a good player? They were awful his junior year. They were, like, two and eight. This guy just kept showing up, and like he made literally every play. It was a one-man wrecking crew. He made every play all over the place. Um, so we get fired at South Alabama, and I come to Ole Miss. And in the in the time before um, coming to Ole Miss, uh, Kevin Steele, good friend of mine, says, "Hey, who is who's committed to you that that you didn't miss this is two weeks, three weeks before I come to Ole Miss?" He's like, "I didn't know I was coming to Ole Miss at the time, or I wouldn't have said this. I can promise you that." Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, he said, who, who do you got, who's committed to you think can play in the SEC? And I was like, you need to go look at this Roger McCreary kid. Nobody's recruiting the kid and I don't understand why. And uh, Kevin comes down and watches him and uh, likes him and offers him and the rest is history. Then I go to Ole Miss, and he's out there playing as a true freshman. I was like, "Damn, I wish we <laughs> I wish I'd have waited a couple of weeks." And uh, and knowing if I could have known the future, I could have got him an Ole Miss. But I didn't know I was coming to Ole Miss at the time. So, congratulations, Auburn, and I'm sorry to the Ole Miss fans. I just couldn't read the couldn't read my crystal ball fast enough. I could have got him to Oxford, Mississippi. But a uh, very good player, um, just a great kid. And, and Ole Miss fans, I let you roll your eyes at me, but I call him five for five guys. He's it. He is an unbelievable kid, competitive kid. I'm excited about for him and his family. Uh, he deserves everything he can get. He's just a phenomenal human being. I'm excited for him and uh, and what's coming next week. Couple more guys I want to talk about, then we're going to get on to the NIL stuff. Is you know Aiden Hutchinson. Everybody thinks this guy's number one pick in the draft, and I, I don't see it. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he's a really a great player, and I think he's a first round pick. I just don't see the dominance. Like when I think of defensive end, that's a you know, that's the number 1 pick, I'm thinking Jadavion Clowney, Guys that are just wrecking shop, athletic freaks, just everything. And and to me this is he's a motor guy. And he's a guy that's that's good athletically. He's tough and all that stuff. He but he makes it with good effort. And good effort is not good enough in the NFL because everybody plays with great effort because their lives are on the line and their livelihood. And so I think he's a solid player. I just don't see him being the number one pick. I don't get it. As opposed to when you look at Thibodeau, that's coming out of Oregon. He is just—he's an athletic freak. That's the guy that can make plays when he plays hard because he's an athletic freak. And people are like, well, this and that and this and that. I just—I don't know. I, I don't—I don't see Aiden being the dominant defense. I could be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong before. I just don't see him being the dominant guy, number one pick that needs to be taken up there. Um, you know, Trayvon Walker at Georgia is a guy that's blown up through the board because of what he did athletically. You know, again, great player on tape, but there was, he was surrounded by a bunch of great players. So he kind of like disappeared a little bit because he wasn't the only guy. But between the between the end of the season and through the combine process, this guy's blown up because he's a freakazoid. I mean, he runs fast, all that stuff. And I think the defensive line and edge position in particular is loaded this year. Um, you mean you got Jordan Davis at Georgia? Obviously, different position. We got Thibodeau, we, we talked about, and then the Karlofidas kid at Purdue, edge player, very similar to Aiden Hutchinson, in my opinion. And we're saying this guy's a mid-round pick, and we're saying Aiden's number one pick because Aiden had the really good game. But go watch Aiden play against Georgia. That's what I. That's the only thing. Maybe it was the last time he was on the field, and maybe that's why it's sticking in my head. But he never showed up. He didn't have one tackle. I don't think. I don't think he had one tackle in the whole game. He just never showed up in the game, and that's against Georgia. What's he going to do against the Detroit Lions? Or, I mean, that's a bad – what's he going to do against Cincinnati? What's he going to do against the Patriots? And we're talking about what he's doing in college, and I just don't see it, but for whatever reason it is what it is. But you got Mafia at, at from Minnesota, just a, a whole category that's loaded with players. And the one I want to talk about, especially since we have – that's close to my heart is a guy named Sam Williams – um, here from Ole Miss, recruited him twice. <laughs> when I was at South Alabama, was a guy that's, uh, these guys don't fall off fall off the uh, wagon very often. He was probably 6'2", probably 205, 210 coming out of high school and was a non-qualifier uh, from Robert E. Lee High School in Montgomery. Um, and just a, uh, didn't qualify, but like I knew who he was, just he was an, he was an okay player. You could see ability, but you're like, oh, he's undersized. There were a lot of things there. Um, so then he goes Northeast Community College, and Boomville, and just blows up, and becomes who he is today. He turns in, and he's like, I, I remember I turning on the tape, and I was like, this guy's raw. I said, but you can see the burst. He was really stiff. There was a lot of things, and I was like, he's got like a, he's got like a hitch or something. It was something that really bothered me on the film. And then when we called and did some investigation, this guy's playing with a torn meniscus. Well, just so you know, when you have a torn meniscus, you're out. I mean, it, it takes two to three to, you know, if you have the easy surgery, it's two weeks and you don't come back 100% and even after that. This guy just plays right through it. He never misses a game. And just unbelievable toughness and mentality. And, you know, we were he shows up for camp and – at the time he he walks in the door, I'm like, Oh my God. Like it's one of the most, it's just like this eye opening moment. You're like, that's what they are supposed to look like. Like he looks different than everybody. Um, and he goes and he jumps like 35 inches or whatever it was. And I was like, Oh my God. I mean, like people aren't supposed to do that. And then my favorite is when he goes and he runs the 40 and one of my guys comes over and says, Hey coach, he ran a 44 40. And I was like, bullshit. I was like, And he's like, no, he he did. So I literally stopped what I was doing. I was doing – I was talking to somebody. And I get a watch and I go over there and ask him to run it again. And he did it again. And um, after that, I was like, we just got – I mean, you got to take the guy to see what happens. And just the – but that's not what I'm proud about, Sam. He's always had the athletic ability. But I'm not going into it on here um, of any recruit that I've ever been a part of in my entire life, in 22 years. Over, has overcome his circumstance that no one else has been able to do. He's had every reason in this world to quit. He's had every reason in this world not to be successful. and he's And he's done it. I am so happy for the person he's become. I am so happy for what he's been through to get here, like this this people don't know, and I'm not gonna go into it because it's very personal, but um what he has gone through you couldn't even imagine. And if you're a movie guy out there, and there's been the blind side that was a pretty good movie, and there's been all these movies about stuff like this, none of them hold a remote candle. And as bad as you can possibly imagine, this is the worst. Probably the worst background circumstance I've ever been a part of in my life. and there there's some people probably listening that that work with us or and know the story and they' will and they're shaking their head because they know that I'm right. Um, the media doesn't know. um just I can't describe to you guys how much he has overcome um, to be where he's at today. and I'm so proud of him um i'm so happy for what he's doing and 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 it's because the nfl dig and nfl's found out some things i'm sure and that's probably why they're gonna get some value because they're like that's what the nfl does this is a first round player and it's not even close he is a first round player and people are saying well i don't know background he's proven wrong at every level somebody's about to get the best value that they've ever gotten on defensive player sam williams um, so excited for him and and uh, what's about to come. But everybody make sure if you don't know who Sam Williams is, learn him, uh, and you will be a fan of Sam Williams. All right, a couple other guys before we get on to the NIL. Um, Kyle Hamilton, the safety at Notre Dame, unbelievable player. I think he's getting dinged a little bit because he didn't run as well as everybody thought he was going to run, but it doesn't matter. Kyle Hamilton, pro bowler safety, probably the best, with the best safety in the draft, maybe the best DB in the draft period. This kid can play, sign him up. Kyle Hamilton from safety from Notre Dame. Um, if you need somebody on the back ends, whoever needs one is going to get him early. And so uh, that's a good one there. And then we got our good friend N'Kobe Dean uh, from Georgia. That's probably gonna be a late, uh, mid to late round pick, i imagine. Uh, and very interesting there. Um, but just an instinctive dude, smart. Um, you know, obviously we recruited him, and as of about I would say, thought we had him here at Ole Miss until about 9, I can tell you the exact time, it was 9.42 a.m. is when I was like, oh, shit, we're in trouble. And, it, and, it, and at 9.41, I was happy because we were getting him. But at 9.42 a.m., because I remember looking at my watch going, how much time do we have left till he announces? Um, 9.42 a.m. signing day is when I was like, we're in trouble. Had no idea before then because went to bed feeling pretty good uh but uh N'Kobe, one of the craziest recruiting deals we've had some wrong here he knows <laughs> if he's listening he knows nine forty two some wrong because um, I was with him when the clock hit nine forty two um like the kid, like the family, you know, I don't hold any 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 grudges uh just sure wish he was at Ole miss, I'd probably still be there, but he did a he's a really good player, instinctive coach on the field, knows. Probably the most instinctive, knowledgeable linebacker probably since Luke Keekley uh, went out uh, with the Carolina. He's that kind of player. I think he's going to have a great career as long as he stays healthy and uh, excited for him and his family. Uh, he got who he was looking for three years and out, NFL. Congratulations. And the last one that I want to talk about, I'm doing this from a man, Matt Luke, and a man, Clay Karcher, is Brees Hall. Um, and if you're an Ole Miss fan, you have no idea how close you were to having Brees Hall in your backfield. Because that was one of those three stars that y'all were laughing at us about recruiting, but um, really liked Brees Hall. And Clay Karcher, give, I give him a man, Clay, who's working with us here now. He's my right, been my right-hand guy for a long time. Clay finds Brees Hall. So he's like, this running back from Kansas. And we're like, what? And so Clay is also the same guy, ironically, who found uh, Josh Jacobs at Alabama. So Clay has a knack for finding these running backs. And so he brings Brees Hall to us. Unbelievable. But he just wasn't playing against anybody. The talent level was bad. And everybody was like, well, I don't know if he could run. Da, 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 da. I love the kid. We tried like hell to get him, um, get him past, and we ended up taking a guy named Snoop Connor. So I guess it all passed it all it all pans out. But we we basically had a decision to make between Snoop Connor and Brees Hall. Um, I think both of them, I mean, you could make the argument that if, that if Snoop was at Iowa State in offense, he'd be doing the same thing, because I think that much of Snoop Conner. Uh, but we ended up taking Snoop instead of Brees Hall. I was on the Brees Hall train. Clay was on the Brees Hall train, and everybody else was on the Snoop Connor train. So uh, it all worked out for everybody, but just a phenomenal player, phenomenal kid. Uh, he's probably going to be the only him and Isaiah Spiller, probably the two running backs that have a chance to go in the first round. Uh, but Brees Hall is an every-down back in the NFL. He's a bigger back. Uh, but, you know, the hard part with the NFL is running backs don't last very long. So I think that's the uh, trick there. But we'll talk a little bit more about the draft next week. Wanted to make sure that you got a little draft, some names, a little information about some draft guys so you'll have something to talk about next week when all the draft coverage comes up. And you won't look like you don't know what you're talking about. So make sure you remember all, those, all that information, all those stories and you can share with your friends. All right, I want to shift, uh, which we've talked about at nauseam, and we've talked about this for a while, but I had some more stuff come up on NIL last week, and i just like, oh my gosh. So let's talk about, let's start with uh, the Arch Manning. Okay, so we know that Nico uh, Lama Lavea, I think I got that right Lama Lavea, um, is reportedly to get between seven and eight. I've heard the number was closer to seven, but reports are out there that it's closer to eight, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a lot of money. Um, that they're getting to go play college football. All right. And then Arch Manning, I get called probably probably it was a week two, week before last. I get a call, and then I got another call, and then I got another call, and everybody's coming up with the same number. So this is either a really good rumor or it's accurate, um, that $10 million is being thrown out there for Arch Manning. $10 million. $10 million. So let's take this into account here. Let's, let's put some reference on this. So at $8 million, which is what Nico is getting, or close to it, that's essentially what the 47th pick in the NFL draft is getting. So you're saying, coming out of high school, you're in the middle of a second-round pick. Like they're getting that much money, the same amount of guaranteed money that the second middle of the second round, is getting for $8 million. And let's take Arch at $10 million, if that number is accurate. We're paying him as the 32nd pick in the NFL draft, a first-round pick. That's what we're paying this guy. And that's good. If you want to spend it, spend it. okay. But at what point does a quarterback turn into a bust when you're paying them that kind of money? So you're basically paying them guaranteed. You're going to have to be a first-round pick. And let's look back. I want everybody to do this, and we're going to talk about rivals since we're on MPW Digital and and Neil and those guys are rivals guys. Let's talk about rivals. If you go back and look at who's been their top five-star guys and the top-ranked guys, go back and look. Just go year after year, okay, because I did it yesterday just, just for shits and giggles, okay? You can say Caleb Williams from 2021. You can say Caleb Williams. He's worth the money. Absolutely. But for every Caleb Williams, how do you think Clemson feels right now with DJ? Ugoled or however you pronounce his name. He was a five-star. He was like number three overall prospect. Has he has he been worth it? If you paid him $10 million, would he be worth it? Probably not. You probably wouldn't be happy. I mean, we can go over and over and over. Bryce Young, absolutely worth every penny and then some. But my point is this, is for every quarterback, and, and fans need to know this, for all these quarterbacks, like if you look, look like Matt Corral, was he a highly ranked guy? Yeah, but you're not paying $10 million for a guy like that. You can, like these high ranked guys, a lot of them don't work out. Tennessee with a Bailey kid, they're already paid this guy. Bailey was a five-star guy like two years ago or three years ago, whenever it was. Well, they would have paid him the money, and now they're already replacing him. And so my point of the drill is this, is what, what is a bust when this kind of money is involved? If Arch Manning doesn't come in and, and be the best quarterback in the country, how, how is that – and what if it doesn't work out? Because a lot of these guys don't pan out. Are they talented? Yes. Like, yes. But quarterbacks is one of the biggest misses out there. And, and I don't even know if fans – even. I mean, I'm sure you think about that. But, like, for every big-time player – like Malik Willis. Let's take Malik Willis, for example. Malik Willis is going to be a first-round pick. I think we talked about him earlier, right? The guy got cut from Auburn three years ago. He got cut. So Gus Malzahn didn't think he was good enough to play at Auburn. Like, let's, let's, let's think about this. This guy was cut. What was, I don't even know what Kenny Pickett was ranked, but you're not paying a guy like that millions of dollars. Sam Howell was like a four-star guy. But for everyone, go back and look at those guys, and you don't even remember or know what happened to them. Like JT Daniels, highly ranked guy, highly ranked guy. Didn't do it at Southern Cal, goes to Georgia and didn't do it at Georgia, now he's going to West Virginia. Highly ranked guy. Are you paying $10 million for that? Like what point is it a bust? And so what I'm interested in knowing is here's the, here's the, here's the kicker now, okay, is all of these collectives, let's, I'm putting it on, if you're watching on YouTube, on Home Visit Siski on YouTube, I'm going to put them in quotes all right, collectives, they're paying these guys this amount of money. And so what they're paying is like, okay, first year, you're going to make $350. Next year, you're going to make a million. Next year, we'll pay you $5 million. You know, whatever it is, is they're, they're staggering these payments out to keep them from going in the portal and transferring. That's what they're doing with the payments. So they're not getting $10 million up front. They're getting X amount of dollars year one, X amount of dollars year two, so on and so forth. Okay. If the guy is a bust, You want the guy to leave because now you're not on the hook for the money. But now you've set up the collective deal to where he's getting that amount of money. Okay, so let's say this, and I don't think he will be, but let's say Arch is a bust. Okay, let's say Arch is not your best quarterback. And you want him to leave, Arch ain't going anywhere because he's getting paid. He's going to get more money to stay. So you're going to be, you're going to, your payroll is going to be backed up. These guys, if they don't work out and, they're not, and they are a bust, they're not going anywhere because they're going to collect on their money because if they go somewhere else, they're, not going, they're losing value. What, who would leave? Like who would, nobody's going to leave. And so you're setting up these collectives and you better hope you get it right because let me tell you something. I don't know if it's Arch. I don't know if it's Nico. I don't know who it is, but this isn't slowing down. This is getting worse. It's just a matter of time. Just like we tell everybody all the other other times and that look stuff's coming, like NIL, it'll have a cap. Nope, getting worse. Been trying to tell you for a year, getting worse. You don't know what you're doing. But this will happen is that school X is going to pay X amount of dollars for a kid. And that's going to be there to keep them there. Okay, so we don't want you transferring. Well, that kid's going to be a bust. It's going to be one of them. Like I said, go back and look at the Rivals rankings, look at 247. I don't care what ranking you you look at. Go look at all those 5-star guys. And yeah, there's going to be a Caleb Williams. There's going to be a Bryce Young. But for every one of those, there's five guys you've never heard of because they're not playing and they're bust. Okay? So just like there's bust in the NFL draft, there's going to be bust in this. So what happens, but in the NFL, and this is what I heard Mike Leach talking about this the other day was ingenious. In the NFL, guess what happens when you're a bust? They cut your ass, and they don't have to pay you. This is different. You, this is a collective deal. This has nothing, they can't not pay you if you have a signed contract. Okay? There is no cut, and there's no, there's no stipulations in the contracts. Because if they had stipulations in the contract, they're going to go to the school that doesn't have stipulations in the contract because there are those doing that. Okay? Look at who's getting the good players. This is follow the money, guys. Okay this has been going on a long time. Follow the money, and so you know for me, it's like it what what is a bust when you're if you're paying ten million dollars, you're paying the guy to be the first round pick, when is he a bust? So you got to think about that, so I, I think that's the next thing coming with Nil is when these kids don't pan out, and we got to figure out what we're doing. we got a problem on our hands, and thank you, and by the way, if you didn't see it, Nick Saban goes on a whole deal about Nil and all this stuff about. All that's mess. But it finally took somebody like that to, to say something, to get attention. You know, Lane says something and gets attention. Coaches need to be vocal about this. That's a problem, okay? When it comes to the NCAA, if they want something, if you want something fixed, because everybody thinks it's a problem, it's just a matter of if they're saying it or not and what they're saying about it. Yes, players should be getting paid. I'm all for that. But $10 million to play quarterback, and we don't even know. I mean, you're good, but it's a different game. Okay, it's just – it's a huge mess, and coaches need to be vocal. More coaches need to be vocal so they can try to do something about it because they're not stopping it. But you better do something because it's already the, – the 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 rock is rolling downhill, and you, you got to do something to slow it down because it's just getting faster and faster and faster, and it's not, it's not slowing down. So they need to do something now because every day that goes by, it gets further and further out of control. So they got to do something – Uh, or it's going to mess everything up. All right, I hope everybody got a chance to watch some USFL football. If you didn't, I mean, you got to be a football fan. I think the biggest problem with it is a lot of guys you don't know and you don't have allegiance uh, to a particular team. Um, And it's kind of hard to do that, pull for the New Jersey Generals. If you're you're up in the Northeast, uh, when they're all playing in Birmingham, you can't go see a game. And so that's going to be a tough thing for them to get over right now. but our good friend David Beatty's coaching wide receivers for the Houston Gamblers we got to see him yesterday. Um, but I heard a lot of talk about all oh, the product on the field, blah, 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 blah. Guys, these guys have been in a three weeks. They've been together three weeks. Each week that goes by, it'll get better. Quarterback play struggled a little bit because they've been with each other for three weeks. And a lot of these guys haven't done anything because they haven't been on they haven't been on NFL rosters or whatever reason. They've been cut. They they've lost a lot of development time. So I Don't give up on the USFL, because I think that the AFL, where it was called the uh, AAFL, what it was before COVID hit, was actually doing really good, um, and it helps some guys. And I think as each week that goes on, I think you're going to see the the product on the field get better and better and better. But look, man, it's football, and it's in the spring. I mean, it's better. I mean, I had it on yesterday when uh, we were doing Easter uh, dinner at the house. So got a chance. It's football in the spring, and it's – it's better than not watching football in the spring. So make sure you support that and all that good stuff and, uh, and enjoy it uh, and take it for what it is. But if you you got to understand you're not watching, you know, the Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. I mean, it, it's, it's USFL football. It's what it's supposed to be. Uh, but give it time. The product will get better. All right, this week we got Talladega this weekend. So, look, if you see me at Talladega, come up and say hello. I know I'll be there. We'll be there with some friends. Uh, that you may or may not recognize previous home visit, uh, home visit guest will probably be joining me, um, in Talladega. Come by and say hello. We'd love to see you. Uh, we'll probably try to get some, get some stuff out there to you, uh, from Talladega. It's a, uh, if you've never been, we got a lot of people who like, nah, I don't watch NASCAR. Don't knock it till you try it. And if you want to try, if you want to get hooked on NASCAR, go to Talladega. It's the best thing out there. Um, that's back home, just right down the road from my hometown. I've been, a, I don't know. I've been a bunch. I can't tell you how many times. Uh, but I, to the point where I used to, I better not, well, I guess I can't, nobody cares. I used to schedule my recruit, my spring recruiting around Talladega. So I would make sure I was in the Birmingham, Northeast Alabama area on Friday to go the race. And then would start there again on Monday. So I'd stay out, but I love it. It's, it's, uh, when you go, it's, it's uh, it's like redneck Mardi Gras. It's a good, it's a good time. So everybody needs to go check it out. And then if you're there and we probably have a lot of people listening that are there, uh, come by and say hello. Uh, I'll be around a little bit everywhere. Be infield, in the in the suites, and the stands. We'll be a little bit everywhere on uh, in the in the garage. We'll be there. Uh, come by and say hello, and uh, make sure you subscribe, listen, home visit Siski on Twitter, uh, home visit Siski on YouTube. Subscribe, leave us a three star review. MPW to digital, Monster Energy. Make sure you have a sugar free Monster when you're rocking and rolling uh, at Talladega. It goes good with Tito's good stuff. But until next time. Take care.
2: Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.